The Open Door by Alfred Sutro. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Five Little Plays by Alfred Sutro. The Open Door. The Persons of the Play. Sir Geoffrey Transome, read by M. B. Lady Torminster and narrator, read by Elizabeth Clatt. Scene: the drawing room of Lord Torminster's cottage by the sea. It is two a.m. of a fine July night. The French windows are open on to the lawn. The room is dark. In an armchair, Sir Geoffrey Transome, a man of forty with a frank, pleasant face, is seated deep in thought. Suddenly the door opens and Lady Torminster appears and switches on the light. She starts at seeing Sir Geoffrey. Oh! Sir Geoffrey, rising. Hello? Don't be afraid. It's only I. Oh, what a start you gave me! Why haven't you gone to bed? I'm tired of going to bed. One always has to get up again and becomes monotonous. Why haven't you gone to sleep? I don't know. It's too hot, or something. I've come for a book. Let me choose one for you. He goes to the table. Why were you sitting in the dark? Because the light annoyed me. What sort of book will you have, a red one or a green one? Is there a virtue in the colour of the binding? Why not? They're all the same inside. There are three hundred ways, they say, of cooking a potato. There is many of dressing up a lie and calling it a novel, but it's always the same old lie. Here, take this. He hands her a book. Popular astronomy. That'll send you to sleep. <laughs> the stars frighten me, but I'll try it. Good night. Oh, good night. And you really had better go to bed. I move as an amendment that you sit down and talk. At this time of night? Why not? It's day in the Antipodes and in this attire she glances at her peignoir pooh you're more dressed than you were at dinner oh, that's awfully rude isn't it but then you see you're not my hostess now you're a spirit walking in the night one can't be polite to spirits sit down oh shade and let us converse i don't know the household have all retired and we will make this concession to mrs grundy we will leave the door open there he flings it open the open door centuries ago when i was alive i remember paragraphs with that heading <laughs> so you're not alive now sir geoffrey transome ceased to be when he said good-night to lady torminster sir geoffrey is upstairs asleep so is her ladyship we are their souls let us talk you are in your whimsical mood and you in your wrapper peignoir tea-gown doesn't matter what you call it you look jolly oh, ridiculous word i don't mean that at all you look you more you than i've seen you for years Shh, don't interrupt shades never do that by the way do you know the old lumber room my owner my corporeal sheath means to go away in the morning before you're up sir geoffrey what nonsense You've promised to stay a month. I assure you I have been charged to invent fitting and appropriate lies to account for the ridiculous creature's abrupt departure. The man Transome 
is a poor liar you are making me giddy would you mind putting on your body i've not been introduced to your soul sir geoffrey springing up with a flourish oh, how very remiss of me permit me uh, gertrude this is geoffrey you, you have often heard me speak of it i think i'll go to bed now that is preposterous jack my dear old friend the best and only friend i have in the world is slumbering peacefully upstairs and jack's wife is reluctant to talk to jack's old pal because the sun happens to be hidden on the other side of the globe lady torminster sit down if you're good you shall have a cigarette well just one and when i've finished it i'll go agreed he hands her the box she takes a cigarette he strikes a match and holds it for her he then takes a cigarette himself and lights it and while smoking it remember penelope's web for i've heaps of things to tell you they'll keep till to-morrow that's a fearful delusion nothing keeps there is one law in the universe now i want to know what you mean by this nonsense about your going yes i am off in the morning it has occurred to me that i haven't been to china now that is a serious omission how can i face my forefathers and confess to them that i haven't seen the land where the yellow labour comes from china has waited a long time a month more or less will make no difference they are a patient race there is gypsy blood in my veins i must wander i'm restless not like jack he's untroubled he can sleep jack's a fine sleeper isn't he yes calm serene untroubled with the conscience of a babe one two three he sleeps he and i have had some rare times together i've been roped to him on the andes he shot a tiger that was about to scrunch me i rubbed his nose when it was frost-bitten he saved my life i saved his nose i always maintain that the balance of gratitude is on his side for where would he have been without his nose you are absurd would you have married him without a nose i might have now you know you wouldn't you'd have been afraid of what people would say and what would he have done when he became short-sighted and had to wear glasses my cigarette has gone out sir geoffrey jumping up and handing her the box take another never relight a cigarette it's like dragging up the past here i said only one this is not the hour for inflexibility the medes and persians have all gone to bed she takes the cigarette he lights it for her tell me why you mean to leave us and remember i shan't let this one go out my explanation will be handed to you with your cup of tea in the morning and you will be gone i shall be gone there's a train at seven forty five which will be packed with husbands i shall breakfast in town why well one must breakfast somewhere it's a convention sir geoffrey i want you to tell me what this means give your decision said the judge to the arbitrator but never your reasons i go because i go besides has one reasons why do people die or get married or buy umbrellas because of typhoid love or the rain not at all isn't that so i wish you'd be serious i'm fearfully serious when jack shot that tiger he had to go so near the brute that he held his life in his hands do you know what was my chief impression as i lay there with the ugly cat's paw upon my chest beginning to rip me oh, horrible what i resented his having eaten something that smelt like onions a tiger 
Onions may have been his undoing. That's the beggar's skin on the floor. <laughs> but you should have seen me rub Jack's nose. Sir Geoffrey, there's very little cigarette left. There are lots more in the box. Dawn is a long way off. Hang it, Lady Torminster, don't be in a hurry. Do you hear the sea out there? It's breathing as regularly as old Jack. Don't you think this is fine? Here we are, we two, meeting just as we shall meet on the other side of the Never Never Land. It's a chance for a man to speak to a woman and tell her things. What things? That's just it. What things? What have I to say after all? I I'm going tomorrow because I'm a fantastic, capricious ass. Also because I'm lonely. How will China help you? They colour it green on the map. And there is such a lot of it. You should get married. You say that? You? He starts back, ashamed, and hangs his head. Lady Torminster throws a quick glance at him, then looks ahead of her, puffing quietly at her cigarette. So that is why you are going? Oh, now that really is fine of you. Every other woman in the world would have seized that chance for a melodramatic exit. Good night, Sir Geoffrey. I must go to my husband. Good night, Lady Torminster. Clasp of the hand, a hot tear, mine, on your wrist. But you sit there. <laughs> Splendid. I ask you again, is that truly why you are going? Well, yes, that's the fact. I apologize humbly. It's so conventional, isn't it? I suppose it's difficult for human beings to invent new situations. You've known it, of course, all the time. You've known it ever since Jack brought me to you, the day after you were engaged, and that's nine years ago. It's the usual kind of fatality. These things happen? Yes. Well, I thought I was cured. I've been here five days, and I find I am not, so I go. That's best, isn't it? Yes. It's so infernally stupid. You're a beautiful woman, of course, but there are heaps of beautiful women. You've qualities. Well, so have other women, too. I'm only forty-one. And as you say, why don't I marry? Simply because of you. Because you've an uncomfortable knack of intruding between me and the other lady. That is a great misfortune. It's most annoying. So I shall try China. I shall come back in two years. I shall be forty-three, then. I shall come back, sound as a bell, and I shall marry some healthy, pink-cheeked young woman, take a house next to yours, and in the fullness of time your eldest son shall fall in love with my daughter. Why not? I shouldn't have told you, of course, but I'm glad that I have. It clears the air. Now, what excuse shall I make? A wire from town. Jack knows all about my affairs. In fact, that's why I take the early train, to avoid his questions. You find it impossible to stay out your time here? Quite. There are moments when I'm unpleasantly volcanic. Then I tell you the best thing to do. Don't take your trunks. Just go up with a bag. Leave a note that you'll come back on Tuesday. Then write from town and say you're prevented. That's a good idea. Yes, that's much better. And if you find that you really cannot come back... Exactly. You'll forward my goods and chattels. And old Jack will ascribe it all to my wayward mood. You'll think I've found it too dull down here. I'm immensely obliged. 
remark that i've not offered to be a sister to you you've been superb oh the good talk we've had <laughs> do you know i could almost wish old jack to have heard what i said i'm so fond of him that grand old fellow that i've been on the point of telling him myself more than once for you know he will have me take you about and it's painful besides i i felt almost disloyal to keep this thing from him but you understand don't you yes he and i are almost one you see it's not british to show any feeling but really i i love him and the devil comes along and all the women in the world singles out jack's wife and fills my heart with her that's the devil's sense of humour perhaps he has read bernard shaw but you must never let jack know never i suppose not he's so direct so single-minded that the shock would be terrible but i'm not to blame how can i help it oh all that cackle about being master of one's fate two years in china we'll hope so of course it didn't matter about my telling you because you knew already yes i knew although oh you've done what you could i felt in a hundred subtle ways how you almost implored me not to well there it is i'll write that note at once he sits at the table and begins to write i'm sorry you were so lonely well, that's my fault too the fault of the ridiculous class to which we belong i don't do anything why not what would you have me do go into the house thank you i've been there you spend your time on the terrace or in the smoke-room till a muffin-bell rings then you gravely walk into the lobby where an energetic gentleman counts you as polyphemus counted his sheep <laughs> philanthropy well i've tried that but it's not in my line i'm quite a respectable landlord but a fellow can't live all by himself in a great elizabethan barrack town the season christian mothers invite you to inspect their daughter's shoulders with a view to purchase I'm tired of golf and polo. I'm tired of bridge. So I'll try the good sea in the open plains. Sleep in a tent and watch the stars twinkle. The stars that make you afraid. Yes, I'm afraid of the stars. Why? You remember the Persian poet? I too have said to the stars and the wind, I will. But the wind and the stars have mocked me. They have laughed in my face. Persian poets, like all poets, have a funny way of pretending that the stars take an interest in us. <laughs> to me, it's their chief charm that they're so unconcerned. They are lonely, too. Don't say that again. Don't. I can't bear it. Oh, Gertrude. Yes. He stares haggardly at her. She does not move, but looks out, through the open window, into the night. Well, I suppose we'd better turn in. When do you go to China? I shall take the first boat. And you will come back? In a year, or two, or three. We shall hear from you. Certainly. And I will send you chests of tea, best family souchong, and jars of ginger. Also little boxes that fit into each other. I'm afraid that is all I know at present of Chinese manufacture. You will be away so long. You told me to do something. I shall learn Chinese. I believe there are five hundred different letters in the alphabet as many as that it's possible that i exaggerate 
Well, Lady Torminster, I think I'll say good-night. He offers her his hand, which she ignores. She smiles and motions him back to his seat. The sun is still shining in the Antipodes, my dear Geoffrey, and you are still Jack's old friend, talking to Jack's wife. Sit down and don't be foolish. You'll be away for years. It's possible we may never meet again. It's possible, too, that next time we do meet you may be married. Who knows? Exactly. Who knows? So there's no reason why we shouldn't look each other squarely in the face for once and speak out what's in us. Oh, Lady Torminster, what is there to say? How you resent my having told you. Resent? I? You do, and you know it. In your heart you were saying, all was going so well, she has spoiled it. If she does love me, she shouldn't have said it. Jack's wife. Well, Jack's wife, yes. Geoffrey, Jack bores me. Lady Torminster. Oh, there, I've said it. Oh, it's such a relief. I never have before, and I don't suppose I ever shall again. For whom can I say it to but you? Listen, I tell you, quite entre nous, he bores me shockingly. Lady Torminster, I, I beg of you. The best fellow in all the world, and he bores me. A heart of gold, a model husband, a perfect father, and a bore, bore, bore. Oh, there. I assure you, I feel better. I, I suppose there are moments when every woman says that of every man. My dear Geoffrey, please send for your soul. It has wandered off somewhere, and I don't like talking to copybooks. You're talking to Jack's friend. Jack's friend and mine. Don't forget that. And could I say these things about Jack to anyone else, and you can't conceive what a joy it is to say them? Besides, aren't we just now on the rim of the world? Aren't we a little more than ourselves? Aren't we almost on the other side of things? If we ever meet again, we shall look curiously at each other and wonder, was it all true? As it is, I am scarcely sure that you were real. Everything is so still, so strange. Jack. He is up there, of course, the dear boy, his big red face pressed on the pillow. Oh, Geoffrey, when Jack brought you to me and I was engaged, oh, if you only hadn't been so loyal. Do you know what you are saying? I am saying the things a woman says once in a lifetime and feels all her life. Oh, it was all so simple. You loved me. You were blind because of Jack. And I married Jack. I mustn't complain. I am one of the hundreds of women who marry Jacks. A better, finer man never lived. I dare say. In fact, I am sure. But you should see us when we are alone, sitting there night after night, with never a word to say to each other. You tell me you're tired of polo and golf and bridge. Well, how about me? And need you be scowling so fiercely and begrudge me my one little wail, 
you who are going away yes i am going away and i shall marry a chinese i i shall marry the first chinese woman i meet this is very sudden why because at least not knowing the language she won't be able to say unkind things about me to my friends geoffrey is jack a bore he never bores me that's because he shot your tiger and you rubbed his nose besides you talk about horses and so on yet i heard him for a solid hour telling you about a rubber he lost at bridge through his partner making diamonds trumps when he should have made spades he's not clever of course you are but still is, is cleverness everything haven't i told you he's the very best fellow in the world and do you think i'm posing pretending that i'm misunderstood and the rest you know me better i am indulging for once in the luxury of absolute candour you loved him of course i loved him and i love him now you see oh, if we women had had a hand in the making of the language how many words there would be to express our feelings towards the men we are fond of of course i love jack i'm cruel to him sometimes and there comes a look into his eyes he has a dog's eyes you know a faithful newfoundland i don't think women quite realize what friendship means to a man i am certain that men don't realize what marriage means to a woman am i not a good wife shall i not remain a good wife till the end of the chapter besides there isn't only jack there are jack's children yes and isn't it wonderful when you think of it here are we two jack's friend and his wife alone on a desert island and we have confessed our love for each other and we are able to discuss it calmly as though it were rheumatism oh if only i hadn't induced you to say my dear friend you didn't i didn't why no of course not i knew you were going to-morrow how oh never mind how i knew and i suspected you would be sitting up here to-night so i came down hoping to find you i wanted this talk with you and i extracted your confession as though it had been a tooth and why why because it will be something to think of in the dull days ahead because i knew that you loved me and wanted to be told because your life lies before you and mine is ended because i love you and insisted that you should know you leave me now and i have no illusions paolo and francesca are merely a poet's dream you will marry of course you will marry but this moment at least has been mine sir geoffrey stretching out yearning hands this moment and every moment in past and future oh the future strange little syllables that hide so much i can see you introducing your wife to me a little shyly i can see myself shaking hands with her and with you 
my boy is seven already time travels fast but it's good to know that you really have loved me all these years by day and by night you and only you and i have loved you oh yes i have loved you and having said this to each other we will not meet again till you bring me your wife ah oh, then i have loved you and i love you for the fine upright loyal creature that you are i love you for loving jack and it is jack's great quality in my eyes that he has been able to inspire such love and my dear friend let us not be ashamed we two but only very proud and very happy we shall go our ways and do our duty but we shall never forget this talk we have had to-night i'm beginning to understand you will be less lonely in future and i no longer afraid of the stars brave heart oh brave little heart that i for a moment have held in my hands sir geoffrey with a passionate movement towards her oh gertrude no stay where you are those are the first rays of dawn i must go good-bye we have no need to shake hands you and i oh geoffrey good-bye she goes swiftly and closes the door he bends his head and remains standing motionless by the table curtain end of the open door by alfred sutro